Hey, and welcome to the Skeptic Hangout, the place where we sit back, relax, and chit-chat about intriguing and sometimes controversial topics through the lens of skepticism. Today, we have the whole bunch again, Richard, Richard, Josh, and Laura. We are going to be discussing euthanasia. So grab your English tea or your spicy chai latte and join us as we discuss what kids in Asia are doing these days. Wait, we're not talking about the youth in Asia? Oh, the uh, youth death with dignity. Gotcha. Okay, join us as we discuss how much control one should have over how they leave this world. This is Skeptic Hangout, Euthanasia. started on a surprisingly upbeat note for uh, the <laughs> euthanasia topic i expected to come in with like no. dour notes because uh, this is a this is a topic that it, it sticks in my head because i i've gone back and forth when i was younger but now i'm very much in uh pro death with dignity under certain circumstances like if if yeah. you're having a whole lot of pain you should be able to like and, and you see no more days ahead of you where anything's going to be any better you should be able to get yourself out of it in the most humane way possible instead of like ha- leaving your body for somebody else to take care of with a suicide. Like I see no reason that you can go beyond like bodily autonomy. It's your body. You should be able to end things on your own terms. No, I absolutely agree. Yeah. I think uh, topics like this that are a little bit heavier should have sort of a lightness to them or a little bit joking to them, not necessarily to make light of them, but just because, um, Sometimes discussing heavier topics are better discussed when we're able to to just be a little bit lighter with it. But I killing it did on that, that front. I did that with the intro because literally when I was younger and I would hear people say euthanasia and that it's bad, I would my brain would be like, Well, what's what's so bad about the euthanasia? Like what's wrong with them? What are they doing? And I literally thought it was like an endemic problem within the con- like the continent of Asia. So yeah, I uh I um was very confused and um, I thought I'd include that in the intro. No, I, I definitely had that same similar problem. It's yes, a language I've system. sort of experienced recently with with this sort of realm. Um, a few years ago, my wife had to make the decision to um, euthanize um, a horse that we had. Um, and I know that sort of relatively recently, someone we, we know has had to make a similar sort of decision. And we talked over with animals about like, you know not letting them suffer for too long into their later life or what have you or with health problems is the humane thing to do and we use that word don't humane to describe our treatment of animals but we don't we don't permit ourselves to be so humane when it comes to humans and it's a really interesting difference and I can understand a lot of the the sorts of things that you, you know there are with any system that you've got in place there are routes that people can abuse that sort of system. So I know lots of people are against things like euthanasia because, oh, well, if people are just fed up of grandma and they want to get rid of her, then they just go down this route of saying, well, she can't decide for herself. And so we need to go down the assisted suicide route and et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I just think, why can we not at all be just humane? That is an interesting question. It's it's an interesting value question that we, we look at the value of humans and animals differently but then we evaluate what that means differently like if we if we have this tendency overall to value human life over animal life 
And yet we're saying that the most humane thing you can do to an animal when it's suffering is to put it out of its misery. Where does that disparity come from? And I, I think honestly, the, the quick answer is that we're very uncomfortable with human deaths. Like as, as a culture, we find death to be very disturbing and uncomfortable. But when we talk about deaths of animals, we just don't have that emotional reaction. Um, but it is interesting to me that you, you made the connection between the two of them, because if it is more humane to allow a person to choose how to end their suffering, why is it seen as so controversial and bad? I think a lot of it's a religious indoctrination. Like I've heard the argument that like, if God still has a plan for them. And so like them killing themselves early is going against God's plan, or even like the argument that uh, killing themselves early is going to lead them to hell, which seems really fucked up to me. It, I don't see a lot of practical real world reasons why we wouldn't uh, allow this kind of thing, except for ideas of some kind of abuse but it, the system should be put in place so it's not just like I'm having a bad day, I want to kill myself, more into like I'm suffering or like I've been diagnosed with something that I don't want. Like uh, recently, uh, my grandfather died after uh, having years and years of his brain deteriorating from Alzheimer's. And I, the entire, for a while, I was like, if I was in his position, I would have wanted to be dead a long time ago because that's not no quality of life. And because I have no, uh, belief in a soul or anything like that uh there's nothing the person that he was died really early into into that diagnosis he hadn't been who he was in a long time by the time that he died like i don't see quality of life uh in that in your brain's deteriorating that much that's why some people have committed suicide and if we gave them a more humane way of getting out of something like that i don't see any problem with that it's like i'm in a position where i don't necessarily fear death but I fear having a diagnosis like that and just not becoming myself. Like I, the, yeah. the, the situation you just described with your grandfather, I'm real sorry to hear about that, by the way, Josh. But like that sort of situation terrifies me much, much more. And and as well, like I know that if I was that person, that I would become ever more burdensome to my family. And yeah, it's really difficult because there's a distinction isn't there between obviously suicide and euthanasia because euthanasia is where someone isn't able to um take their own life and i, I think jill am i right in thinking suicide is still illegal in the uk do you know i'm not entirely sure i don't, so I don't want to speak on that no but i, I know it is, it is i think it is in america but it's not really something that you can really enforce with they've done it right <laughs> no <laughs> um, but that's, the, you know, like if, if I was in a position where I, I thought that it was more beneficial for me to take my own life, for example, in those sorts of situations, that's slightly different to euthanasia, isn't it? Because euthanasia is me saying to people, I'm not able to do this and I need you to help me. Yeah, like you were saying, Laura, like that sort of thing should be in place where it's not just some person saying, can this happen? And someone else be like, yeah, let's go. It should be. And where, where there are these things in place, you know, people go to Switzerland or they go to wherever, you know, there's got to be so many doctors agree that this is a sensible way forward. And it's got to be, there's like a process that it goes through. And I think that's the way that it should be. And that's an enormous burden on the family as well. I know my, my dad died of cancer and it took him, it was, it was, I don't remember the exact time frame, but we were talking about seven or eight months between him being perfectly healthy. In fact, very, very healthy for his age, uh, much healthier than most people of his age, to literally looking like 
it was skeletal and his breathing was shallow. It was on constant pain medication. Uh, and you know, I remember a week, just a little less than a week before he died, it was, uh, it came home for Christmas, uh, Christmas day, which is the first time I'd been out of hospital for a long time. And he just sat in his chair, just like, and it barely spoke any words. And it was just sat and you could tell the immense amount of pain he was in. Now, obviously that that's painful to watch and you don't want your, your family members to suffer. But to have the burden then of you can end that suffering, and I, I can't imagine what uh, what how someone would feel to be able to in in that kind of weird situation where they know they're ending the loved one's suffering, but also kind of can imagine a great amount of guilt at ending the life. And it's it's a very it's a situation I've never been in, and I don't think I don't but this know how I'd react if I was in it. These are some of the arguments against as well, in terms of like even if there's no malicious intent, someone could be made to feel as if the burden they are imposing is too great on their loved ones, and, and even if they don't feel like they want to end their life them feeling too much of a burden might make them say yes this is the route down which I want to go um and I don't know how you necessarily sort of uh, get around that that because you know I could I could easily foresee you know elderly relatives I mean I have people in my family like oh no I don't want a better pair I don't want any fuss like don't cause any you know we all know old people like oh no don't fuss over this it's fine like but it's to the to the nth degree, isn't it, with this, where it's like, actually, I'm being so much of a burden, so people are having to put out so much energy and effort and time and money on me still being alive. It's probably better for everybody if I just don't now. It's, yeah, kind, of similar, that's... it's kind of similar to our plastic surgery discussion where we were talking yeah. about where the pressure is coming from and that's where it matters. If society is like pushing like old people are useless, let's get rid of them. That's still pretty bad. But it's even worse if, if you're looking at your loved ones and they're like, you can see the burden that you're putting on them and you're doing it over guilt instead of like, you're not feeling like there's quality of life. That's where I'd say like the best option that should be made available if this was put in place as something that should be viable is there should be therapists that are talked to and they can evaluate mm-hmm. where this pressure is coming from. If like, if, if your family's like constantly calling you a burden and like, they don't want to take care of it. Cause honestly you, you at some points you do become burdensome and there is some caretakers that do have issues with it. Like you're taking care of your sick mother. You can love your sick mother. And th- this is hypothetical. I don't think anybody has a sick mother here, but you could be taking care of your sick mother. And then like, you can feel the burden. You can feel the resentment and like, even like not purposely, you can uh, uh, show that to the person, to the person that you're taking care of. So like you need to be able to evaluate all those factors because there's never going to be any, any option done where you're not taking in some outside influence on it, but it needs to make sure that you're doing what's right for you overall. Yeah. So um, it's interesting because Gil was talking about um, the guilt that the individual might feel to want to end their own lives on behalf of their family members. But then what I was hearing Jilliver say was when the family members are the ones making the decision, like I don't want to be responsible. You're suffering. You're not doing well. I want to make the decision or the encouragement to end your life. And that's where I think that like, we, we talk about autonomy all the time, right? Like the personal ability to make the choice. 
Um, I think it would be kind of frightening if, if, if we talk about when euthanasia or assisted suicide or death with dignity should be allowed. Um, I think the discussion of who is in charge of that decision is vitally important because um, I understand that there are some times where that person might be in a vegetative state or a coma and not able to make that decision. But if that person is able to make that decision and able to verbalize what they want in zero percent of the cases, should it be that another person is allowed to make that decision for them? I think that's the, the yeah. wrongest, most inhumane thing we can do is to put somebody else's life. And I, I also think that same point to what Josh was saying, where he was saying, I only think like religious reasons are the, the reasons why people want to stay alive and the, you know, um, committing suicide, you can end up in hell and all that stuff. I disagree. Uh, the, what I see anecdotally in my life the most is people are sort of, quote unquote, forced to stay alive because their family members aren't ready to let go of them. Like, I want to see you here. I find value um, having you in my life. Please don't leave me. Stay as long as you can for me. Like, it's it's you know, possibly the point you were making, Josh, about that sort of more historical one, as in like that, that sort of what may have led to the current status quo. It was me not thinking it through all the way because Laura's absolutely right. And I was wrong to say only, but as like, I'd say that was yeah, a, a viable side. argument that people, it was an argument people have made, but it's not the only argument. Yeah, I would actually agree with that. I think both arguments, and I'm sure that there are even more arguments than just those two out there for why, um, why these, these types of decisions are so, are so difficult and so controversial, but I think in, in all cases, one thing that no matter which argument you're talking about, like the, the family members pressuring people to stay alive, the family members wanting to put a person um, to rest, like maybe in their suffering, whatever the case may be, I think that really the most important aspect of this um, argument is the agency, right? Is the ability of the person to make decisions over their life for how they want to end it when they're to a point, not like what we were talking about, if it's a, if it's a mental health issue or if it's a temporary problem, having the therapists and the, the mental health staff to help them through it. But if you're talking about a terminal illness with constant suffering, that's where I, I really strongly feel that autonomy should be the biggest part of the conversation, which kind of raises my next question to you guys is how do you feel about it when the person isn't able to represent themselves? Like when they are in a vegetative state or a coma or for whatever other reason, aren't able to represent their own wants. What do you guys think about that? It's difficult, isn't it? Because all of what we're talking about are gray areas. And when we're talking about legislating for things, legislating for the legality or otherwise of euthanasia, it, it all, it, like none of it is black and white. So we're talking about agency. And it's really easy to say, well, it's obvious that this person is in a fit state of mind in order to make a decision about themselves, or this person is obviously not. But I don't think any of I don't think it's ever obviously either way, and that comes down to people interpreting symptoms, interpreting states of mind, doing analysis of things, um, and so while of course it's really easy to say, well, yes, of course, autonomy is the most important factor in all of this, and I don't disagree. That sounds like I'm disagreeing. Like it is, autonomy is the most important thing. It it's just difficult to have a because you almost need to like make a at some point draw a line in the sand where like either you know someone is at the point of being able to make an autonomous decision up until this point here and then everything over that line no you know they can't and someone else has to make that decision um and i would find it very difficult to draw where that line is and is that a yeah, line that it, could be different from person to person though like yeah. therapists again, or doctors kind of doing multiple tests yeah 
Yeah, I think it's a difficult line, although I would kind of, I'd, I'd personally ask two questions, I think, in, and, and I'm not saying these are right or wrong because they, again, fall into that gray area. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd ask, is that person suffering? And is that person able to remain alive without artificial means? Mm-hmm. And I think they're two questions that I'd ask in, in that situation. Because there are people who are in comas who aren't suffering, who are kept alive artificially for years and years and then come round and, and make and a recovery. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the suffering aspect of it is very, very important. Well, it's like the coma situation that you're talking about. Uh, maybe it's because you're coming from a place where healthcare is a little bit better, but over here you could be draining the family of money by taking care of yeah. somebody that's on a machine in life support. So that's a good point. Yeah. There's also, yeah. you got to take that into account of, and like, uh, I can say a lot of people wouldn't want their family to be go bankrupt taking care of them, but there's also some people that may want to do it regardless, and you can't get their their input unless they've made like an uh, an affidavit, I think it is, that uh, right. says that you would be okay to be taken off the plug or like never pull the plug kind of a note it's a, on It's you. a do not resuscitate order. Well, yeah. yeah, if you have your own either will or power of attorney that stays your wishes, then the, the doctors have to honor it. But otherwise, you're right. It's whichever family members put in charge of you gets to make that decision. See, when you said that, Josh, about money, that never even entered into my mind as an aspect of this. Like a family mm-hmm. not being able to afford to continue care of someone or someone making that decision for themselves because they don't want to bankrupt their family never even entered my mind as a, as a as a reason why someone might be for or against this. That blew my mind when you just said that. So isn't that interesting then that, that some of these questions about when you talk about like the morals or or the the value on a specific action can also have like these other impacts depending on the culture or the government, right? Like for us, we have whole other um, things to think about that you guys don't even have to to worry or think about. And it's kind of fascinating because if you really think about human well-being and, and care and compassion and empathy, whether or not a person has money should never, ever, ever be a part of the conversation, not just with something like euthanasia, but with all all questions, like whether or not they're being fed, you know, whether or not they have access to mental health care or anything. It it blows my mind that that money it can be such an important part of the conversation. Yeah, oh, and it's a, a flip. I would go and say there's a flip side of the coin to that as well, where, you know, you've got to be careful that people aren't going to flip the switch so that they inherit money and use that as an excuse. That's a real consideration that's got to be taken into account. Yeah, I mean, most of us here don't have enough money for that to be an issue. But yeah, (laughs) with certain families, and if you're watching enough TV, that seems like a much more pressing issue. But uh, the people, if if I were to go into a coma right now, nobody's fighting for my uh, Hellraiser DVD. (laughs) And that's about all I'll be leaving behind. So it really... No, but even if it's not a big lot of inheritance, it could be a life insurance policy or whatever. You you know, there are all sorts of things that go on like that. Can I just interrupt with a, a quick linguistic bit of information Please do. so th- when i was learning german i learned about this so the german cognate for euthanasia is eutanasie so it's spelled like the other same comes from the same root um and originally it meant the same as the way that we use it in english um but the the and obviously all moral conversations come back to the nazis the nazis used the word eutanasie 
to refer to the systemic killing of disabled people, homosexuals. They use that word euthanasia to describe the killing of lots of those people. And they would use it in the same way as we're using it in terms of like mercy killings, because obviously these people don't want to continue. So like when they talked about, you know, doctors killing disabled people, they use the word euthanasie for that. So nowadays in German, they don't use the word euthanasie to mean euthanasia. They use the word sterbehilfe, which means like death help, like help Uh assisted dying. Uh, Whereas the word euthanasie still has Nazi connotations of murdering people i think i think the term euthanasia though has some pretty dark connotations no matter what you're talking about euthanizing something you're talking about putting it to death and like because we euthanize so many animals um often sometimes for no reason like sometimes just because they can't get adopted or because they're they've they've got a health concern that would be too expensive for a typical animal owner to want to cover or whatever there's a lot of really asinine reasons why we put animals to death right so yeah i i really think that death with dignity or like what you were saying with the german language is a much more beautiful way of putting it because it's like giving somebody control over how they end their life when they've gotten to a point where continuing to live is is too much for them yeah. but it's it doesn't have the same negative connotations of just oh we're just putting you out you know like it, that can be really cold and, and sort of unempathetic yeah. am i right in thinking that the u.s has some states where euthanasia legal is that a, is that a thing or is it something i imagined I saw a documentary where some people were fighting for euthanasia, but I don't really, I don't really know if uh, anything's been legalized in any states. I want to say there might, there might be a couple where it's been okay, but for the most part, I don't think there's anything happening with it. I think it's still seen as, is a bad thing. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree. I can't remember which states it are, but I think that there are some where it's, it's legal. And I, I remember this because, um, I did some research on it a while back, but I just can't remember which ones. The The thing is the stipulations under which it's okay, right? Like a lot of times, um, and I think well, for the most part, it is still illegal. Um, I, I said, I said most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do research, but according to Wikipedia, euthanasia is currently illegal in all 50 states, but assisted suicide is legal in Washington, D.C., California, Colorado, Oregon, Vermont, New Mexico, Maine, New Jersey, Hawaii, and Washington. That's yeah, quite a so lot. that's what I was trying to get at. Is there's certain ways or stipulations under which it can be done, and yeah, I think that's where euthanasia and assisted suicide yeah. is, is made there. Because euthanasia, that's something that we didn't really clarify in the beginning is what the difference is. Because from my understanding, and maybe we have gone in completely the wrong direction with with what we're we're talking about. Maybe not, but isn't euthanasia where you are choosing to put another person? Yeah. There's there's both versions. There's a you can uh, euthanize another person, or you can euthanize you you can be euthanized yourself. I believe. But I think they I, call it like like what Gil was saying. They call it assisted suicide when it's the person's choice. Yeah. And euthanasia might more be like, um, oh, this person um, is beyond help. We're just going to give them something to help them die, but not with their consent. Um, but, but I guess that, a lot of the time it will be with presumed consent or, yeah. but you know, yeah. like, like we were talking about the dogs or the horses that I was talking about earlier. Like if we decided to have our dog put to sleep, we wouldn't, we would never be able to get the consent of the dog for that, that procedure to, to take place. It would be right. us deciding on her part to get her euthanized. Uh, and so I think it is that, that thing of. You could you yeah, consent for yourself, but somebody has to be helping you out in order for it to be euthanasia yeah so that brings up a really interesting question that i've been thinking about throughout this podcast is there was 
I can't remember her name, but it was a really famous. It was like a woman who'd been on a feeding tube for a long time. And there was some signs of intelligence, some signs of life, but like no nonverbal. She couldn't eat on her own. Um, and there was a lot of legal battle over whether or not to keep her alive. And I know she's not the only one, but this is just the, there was a big one in the news a few years back. And their answer was not to euthanize her, but just to remove her feeding tubes and let her survive on her own. And if she could survive, great. And if not, then, well, we just allowed her to pass. And I was absolutely horrified and disgusted by this because what they literally did is allowed her to starve to death until she died. They made a political issue over like semantics. Yeah. And so here you have this vegetative. And if if you made the legal decision to euthanize her without her consent, like if the family decided, then that would be one argument. Like, was that the right thing to do? Was it the wrong thing to do? Or if they were just keeping her alive on the feeding tubes, there's the argument. Is that the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? But the idea that their answer was probably the most atrocious of all the options was to just let her go through incredible amounts of pain and just starve to death. It would have been more yeah, just, just beheaded her in bed. Like yeah, just to be clear, when I when I was talking about uh, earlier on the uh, whether you can survive without assistance, I wasn't insinuating in any way that you'd just be left to die like right. that. <laughs> and I'm not suggesting that that's what you were saying. You're but talking about the Terry Schiavo case, Terry, I think. Yeah, Terry Schiavo, that's her name. Yeah. And I don't know all the specifics, so maybe I'm missing something. Maybe they doped her up with tons and tons of painkillers, which to me would be pretty shitty. Like, I've never enjoyed being on painkillers. Well, there was but... no brain activity as far as I know, but it was just really drawn out. And yeah. I don't know if it could actually be cruel with with uh, how her brain was reacting, but it seemed needlessly cruel to anybody that cared about her that she was just like drifting off to death it seemed selfish i don't know if you're convinced that there's no brain activity then it's not a matter of euthanization just put the chemicals into the body that has no brain activity um destroy the body and then and then be done with it if there is enough signs of brain activity there's a question of of life or of consciousness there then you just don't let a conscious person starve to death so i think one way or another no matter what the arguments are taking her off the feeding tube and i guess i'm kind of getting up on a high horse here but I'm talking about a nuance here where we're, we're discussing quality of life and whether or not we should take action. Um, in my opinion, there are some instances where we're so against euthanasia or against the idea of putting chemicals into a person and causing their death that we will instead make decisions that really, I think, in the long run are more abhorrent. And I don't know, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. No, but like you were almost apologizing there for the nuance of what you were talking about, but but we've kind of come to the conclusion that this is all nuance. The yeah. whole thing is nuance, isn't it? And I think, you know, for the doctors who were there, they would have known that taking her feeding tubes off her would have resulted in death. So to me, there's no moral distinction between letting her starve to death and being the active ingredient in her dying. Because whatever the result, you know that that's going to the outcome. Like there was no, it wasn't as if they were going to take the feeding tube out and she was just going to be like right i'm going to go down to the canteen and get some breakfast right uh, you know that was never never going to be the option um but i guess without laws in place or legislation in place that that sort of frame some of this you know those doctors will have been unable to just find a drug from the cupboard to give her i imagine because they're not allowed to you know they're just not allowed to do that and so yeah. to me there needs to be some sort of mechanism in place for those sorts because I guess maybe, you know, maybe they took the feeding tubes out because that was the only option left to them. Or, you know, I have no idea about this case. No, ultimately it was because euthanasia is illegal, right? So the argument was, how do we get around that? 
I think it's the trolley problem. It's people think that if they're actively like poisoning her, that they're actually like murdering her or something like that. Whereas uh, they see inactive, it's still active by taking the feeding tube out, but it seems less active and more passive taking the feeding tube out. So like they feel more that it that's somehow the more moral distinction between the two. But honestly, it's one's faster to oh. me and one's slower. It seems like poor reasoning. Uh, both both of them are pulling the lever of the trolley just one of them's like uh, pulling the lever real slowly the other one's just like fucking doing it can anybody think of any other like instances of like when euthanasia would be okay or when it would be wrong like oh i i saw i i did research ahead of time because i cheat uh yeah yeah i i saw a video and i was trying to see arguments against euthanasia and which is really weird with how i opened this up because of that wasn't one of the arguments that i talked about in the opening (laughs) Uh, one of the arguments, and I don't agree with this, but I want to I want to throw this out there, is uh, they said one of the arguments against euthanasia is it, it gives people the easy way out when me- more medical research could be done for whatever it is that's alien, alien, alien. It's alien making them. them feeling bad. <laughs> My mouth doesn't always work on words. Do you think that has something to do with like <laughs> our culture? Predominantly stems from um, a very heavily Christian sort of mindset. Do you think that sort of comes from the idea of um fearing death and like the death cult thing where it's like we need to prolong death as long as possible like honestly yes if if i if i allowed a person who had a specific kind of cancer to pass and like you know let's not keep trying to save them and have them be miserable let's allow them to go and then like a month later they cured that cancer yeah there's that argument to be had sure like well it's it's not just the cure like that person could probably end up dead but like there's research that could be done with them instead of them taking the easy way out is what the argument was like. They're going to, they're going to be added onto the studies that are helping whatever is making them sick, whatever is killing them. They can study their bodies. They can work out the treatments. They can see, Oh, there was maybe a little bit of something here. They still died, but they learned a little bit more research and they're talking about using them for accumulative research on whatever the problem was instead of letting them take the easy way out. It seemed extremely convoluted because I think that personal bodily autonomy it overcomes that issue right there. Like if you want out at that point and you're like, I, I, I hope generations behind me can get this cured, get this taken care of, but I, I don't have the will in me to be dealing with this pain anymore. I think that stops all arguments right there. Yeah. And I, I don't think... know if I necessarily see any of this as easy when we're talking the easy way out in quotation marks. I don't see any of this as easy on anyone's part. No. Anyone's. And, and they say that about suicide too, where it's like suicide is the most selfish, you know, act you can perform and, and um, it's just taking the easy way out or giving up. It has to be th- those who do get to the point where they're they're driven to make that decision. It has to be the most difficult and, and heartbreaking decision to make. Like there's nothing easy about deciding I'm going to kill myself. Right. And especially for people who aren't religious and realize that this is forever. This is this is me no longer existing. Um, or even those who are religious who fear like I could potentially be going to hell for this. Right to make that decision, I think we, we really, really minimize how difficult a decision it is just so that we can feel better about ourselves in forcing them not to make that decision um, rather than dealing with the problem itself, right? So I think um, one, one problem with the argument is acknowledging or failing to acknowledge that it's not, it's not the easy way out. It is a permanent way out that they can't come back from. They can't change their minds about. And so if someone is willing to make that decision, like, hey, I've been suffering. This hurts. Like, every day is misery. I realize that I'm not going to wake up. 
the next day and have any other chances to come back from it or heal, that has to be a huge decision. Like, I, I don't think we should minimize that at all. No, I completely agree with you. And the argument sounded poor, but I was trying mm. to give it as much as, uh, as no, you're much putting it out there. Yeah, yeah, as yeah. much as what they said, because uh, they made it sound like no research could ever be done because everybody's just going to kill themselves as soon as they get diagnosed is how it sounded. And uh, not everybody's going to take that route. There are some people that, that want to stick it out until the end because uh, depending on, on what the disease is, I might be one of those people that want to stick it out just because uh, I no, I'm uh, once I'm done. Well, I don't know a hundred percent, but I'm pretty damn sure that once I'm done, there's nothing else after here for me. So, like the idea of me completely disappearing off the face of the earth scares me, and I'm not sure what level of pain there would be that I, I'd be able to survive on. But again, if we go into the Alzheimer's thing, I think I'd want to cut out kind of early because I'm not around anymore, anyways, because of my brain is who I am, and my brain isn't what it was anymore. Yeah, I uh, I think. Uh... I think that that question of it not being easy or that statement of it not being easy is is pretty much bang on the mark. It's not an easy decision to make for anybody, whether it's whether it's you, as we've talked about, whether it's you who are dying or the people who are around you, your loved ones, who, who may be making that decision on your behalf. Um, and it, it's not... The whole subject... Uh, not an easy subject to kind of pull apart and even as as medical professionals the medical professional community is split over what you know what is the right uh right way to go around it and the the circumstances and the legalities and it's a very 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 difficult conversation for anybody to have i think medically as well because a lot of i imagine a lot of the mindset of 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 doctors is preserving life at all costs isn't it and that's like the ultimate goal for a lot of it uh, and that's not all areas of medicine but you know like you think about in a in a an A&E department in a ER whatever you call them over there um you know whatever happens unless someone has a, a DNR you know it is doing whatever you can to keep that person alive doing whatever you can to continue their life um and doing things actively as a doctor, say, for example, to end someone's life, even though it would be the kind of thing to do, I can imagine would be a difficult thing for, for a lot of people to, to do in that regard. Yeah, and can I just say that an emergency room, room sounds much more exciting than uh, accidents and emergency. We've got the Americans have, have topped us with the cool names. For we're very dramatic over here, what can I say? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know we're coming to the end of the show and we have to wrap soon. So I just wanted to throw it out there. Like if anybody has an opinion, especially um, a a dissenting opinion, like I think we're all pretty much um, in agreement here about like at least having control over your own decision-making with your own life. I'm sure that we have some disagreements in the nuances of, of someone else being able to decide when and how another person ends their life. But, um, but if you do happen to disagree with us about the, the argument of the personal autonomy aspect or any of the aspects that we've discussed, really, I would love to hear it on our Facebook page. So don't um, hesitate, just jump in there and let us know what you think. And let's keep this going, because I think that when it comes down to arguments of well-being and personal autonomy and stuff, we get really squishy when it comes to death. So I'm interested to hear what everybody has to say. Um, yeah, having said that, what are your guys' closing thoughts? If anybody's affected, because real quick, by uh, these issues that we're talking about, 
uh, about this subject. We're not medical professionals, so please don't base any decisions that you might have to make uh, on what we say, because we really don't know what we're talking about in this area. We're just shooting the shit and, and talking about the subject. Go and get medical professional advice before making any decisions or considering any of this, because the medical professionals are the best people to talk to about making any decisions along these lines. That, that's a good point. Cause like I've been talking about where my lines are on uh, where I would want to take myself with the uh, euthanasia, where I would want to consent to that. And my lines should not be your lines. This is something where everybody should be thinking it through for themselves. So I don't want to sound like I'm saying, Oh, if you have this, if you, if you come down with this, you should be uh, on my side. No personal autonomy for everybody. Draw your lines where you're comfortable. And I think just in, in, in summary, we've, we've all kind of agreed that, uh, you know, this is not in any way, shape or form a clear cut issue. Um, and I'm always wary of people who do see things like this as clear cut black and white issues. Um, and yeah, it's not the easiest thing to talk about, but I imagine it's even harder to live through an experience and have to actually make these decisions. We're talking about hypotheticals here, all of us, uh, but people of making these sorts of decisions and considering these sorts of things in their real lives every day. Um, and yeah, it was hard enough for us to talk about here, hypothetically. I have sort of a, a thought provoking statement to just leave everybody with, to just think about on their own and everyone come up with their own different reactions to this. But I think we talk a lot about the value of human life, right. And how important human life is to us. And I think that when we're talking about that, we have to also take into account well-being and suffering and so if you say you value someone, if you say you're empathetic or you're compassionate to someone, and yet you're putting them in a position that forces them to continue to suffer or goes against their own wishes, for all I know, universally, you're right. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know that I have all the answers, but I would challenge everyone to think about that. Like if you're talking about valuing another person is forcing them to stay in a state of, of perpetual pain and suffering, valuing them, or is the most compassionate and empathetic thing you can do to respect their wishes. And it sounds like I'm, I'm loading the question like, Oh, of course it's to respect them. But then we, we talk about like the potential for recovery or the potential to prolong their life. And then it becomes a little bit like more, more difficult and complicated. So I would just urge everyone, maybe hold your opinions loosely and be ready to change them, but just give it some thought of what we really mean when we say we value other, other individuals. Yeah. And on that note, it is a wrap. Uh, and you know, go and go and talk go and talk to other people about it. But come and talk to us about it on our Facebook page. And uh, you know, especially if you disagree with us. In the meantime, keep questioning. Interrogate your beliefs. Love each other. Stay skeptical. And we'll see you next time. Bye.